it breaks my heart that I see a tendency in the church to create a theology that requires no responsibility from me. I'm going to create a reality of God that doesn't require me to step out of my insecurities because I'm wounded. And when I go outside of my insecurities, I don't feel comfortable and I don't feel strong and I don't feel stable. So I'm going to create a theology that requires me not to be on mission because if I had to be on mission, I'd have to step out of these things that are holding me back. And that's scary. Welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Yes. My name is Dan Dimite, and I'm joined here in studio with Brad Pierrot What's and up? Aaron Richards. Yes, here All we right. are. It is a great day to be alive because mm-hmm. we are known by the Father and in love with the Son mm-hmm. and filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's did yes. you did Thank you prep you, that before the, the show, Dan? Yeah. yeah, so <laughs> the intro. It's a good day uh, for me and for everyone. Um, and so. Hey, here's the deal, friends. We've got an awesome show prepared today. Um, Here at Damascus, we want to um, provide you with a podcast that fills you with um, a hunger to encounter God more and to be propelled more deeply on mission. If you're joining us for the first time, we're a community of missionaries seeking to bring revival to the Catholic Church here in America. Mm -hmm. And uh, today, we're going to be talking about the fun topic of... Hell. Crickets, crickets, crickets. Awesome. We're going to talk about why does hell matter. Okay. So that's this is a, the fun topic. And, uh, but, but before we enter into this, we should probably pray. Yeah. yeah. Who, who wants to pray? Uh, is, I can uh, take us okay. Go for it, Brad. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, thank you for the gift of this day and thank you for the gift of your love. We pray, Lord, that in our lives we would continue to see all of the ways that you're inviting us to love you in return. And we pray, Lord, that we would always remember that love is free, total, faithful, and fruitful, and that our love for you, Lord, we pray would check all of those boxes. Let us focus in today on your goodness, even in this topic, that we would continue to keep our eyes on you and that you would continue to draw us forward into holiness, that we could be your saints now here on earth and forever in heaven. And it's in mm. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Father, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, guys. So there's there's a, cu- a couple billboards throughout the state of Ohio that just, in re- it's a black billboard <laughs> and in red lettering, yeah. it says, hell, hell is, is real. real. Right? right. Okay. And so I just want to know, how do you guys feel about it's that? It's on 71. And yeah. It's between Cincinnati and Columbus. Okay. And when the... That Cincinnati- billboard is real. So when UC came to play Ohio State, so the University of Cincinnati came to play Ohio State in football, they called it the Hell is Real rivalry. Nice. Because it was the, the sign that's on the, seven, <laughs> the, on on the way. I would say that it is true, but an ineffective way to bring people into the truth that yeah. hell is real. Yeah, okay, that that's interesting. What do you think about it? Isn't there a phone number on it? There is not. Not <laughs> no, on this one. No, this is okay. just, just a hell field. is real. Yep. It- there's a there's a couple of those that have phone numbers attached like, to them. Yeah, one eight hundred like yeah, yeah, got like truth, truth or something. Yeah, and truth. whenever our missionaries are on mission trips, they'll call they'll them on call the way. That, that's <laughs> just, good. Just see what have a who answers at the yeah. other end. Uh, I, you know what? What are your thoughts on it? Uh, I'm I'm a big fan of provoking conversation. <laughs> there you go. That's, so, a, that's a good perspective. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I like it for that. I I do think that it probably ultimately hurts the Christian message <laughs> in that. Most people who need conversion probably already assume that's the message that Christianity tends to say. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I think, I think it, it it 
it may be ineffective in its evangelistic techniques. Yeah, I also techniques. think uh, my motivation is for heaven, not the avoidance of hell. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it again, like I, I think it, it matters to have, and we're going to talk about that all today. But I think if you put up there, heaven is real. I think it also heaven wouldn't be real <laughs> if hell wasn't real. Right? Yeah. But my anyway, that would get into a lot. But I want uh, my attention on heaven, not on hell. I but, bet Dan loves it. No, yeah. no, I, I, I just whenever I drive past it, I'm like. Jesus, I really pray that someone drives past us and they experience conversion, they like conversion. right? Like, like mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe someone yeah. in deep mortal sin sees it and it convicts their heart. And then sure, they, in that sure. moment, they're they're. But um, I'm excited for the day in heaven when I can actually like know the testimonies from those billboards yeah, and see like, point. hey, what was that effective or not? Because yeah. I really love evangelization <laughs> and I don't know if I've got the We're perfect the here perfect in heaven, means. Everybody, the billboards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who got here because of that billboard? Like, no, Whoa, you made it here because of that? Holy cow. Well done. Yeah. I, I lost yeah. a tire right by that sign. I had to look at it for two hours. No. So, I, I mean, okay, which one of you paid for that billboard? You did. It was your farm field. Yeah, yeah. So I do have a confession. I'm the one who funds that billboard. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Personally. So, Personally. But um, why don't we start with just the conversation? Brad, you were talking about it a little bit before we started. Like, um, why does hell matter in the context of our relationship with God? So like God created us in the beginning, right? And like, if, if God was really loving, why Mm -hmm. wouldn't God just make sure everyone went to heaven and there was no hell? Like why, why is, why does hell matter in the, if you will, the scheme of salvation? Yeah. Yeah, Well, I, I think I was saying that a little bit with the hell is real sign that, uh, Heaven can only be what heaven promises to be if hell is real, right? Because heaven is actually the fullness and the culmination of love, and love requires a choice. It requires a free choice, right? That's the reason that even when we look at like Genesis, right, in the Genesis account, why did they put a big tree in the garden that they couldn't touch? Well, they could touch it. Eve exaggerated and said they couldn't touch it, but they just couldn't eat from it, right? Like, Well, the reason is love and sacrifice can never be separated because sacrifice comes from a choice, right? Like I have to make, if I'm going to be in perfect love with the Lord, I need to make a choice. He's not going to force me into eternal love of him. He's going to, he's going to offer me a choice. And so what I would say is if heaven is the fullness of love and love requires a choice, Mm -hmm. then there has to be a place that if I choose against that, I would go, right? Or else heaven would simply be a place where everybody's been forced to be and it's then it slavery. would cease to be heaven. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I, I love the catechism's definition of hell as self-exclusion from the blessed That's trinity so and it's good. there's something about like that that I have chosen like there has to be that choice mm-hmm. of free will that I'm I don't want the love of the mm-hmm. father, right? Mm-hmm. And so um or I want the love of the father. father. <laughs> and even even in scripture, I mean there's many times in scripture where hell's mentioned but that that suggestion is supported in when Jesus says, "Behold, I stand at the door and knock." Right. That's good. That there's a, there's an opportunity for relationship mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that we have the choice to accept <laughs> or decline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I think fundamentally, um, the the idea of that choice is meant for free will, and mm-hmm. free will is necessary for the fullness of love. Yeah. And yeah. and in a sense, this idea of choosing throughout our life that uh just like marriage it's a free will once once decision on the day mm-hmm. of your marriage mm-hmm. but it's a daily decision from that point as yeah. well and so it's not this 
once saved, always saved type mentality. But no, right. the that freedom to love, I have my entire life to enter into that covenantal relationship. Yeah. And I've got the freedom, sadly, to to walk away from that covenantal mm-hmm. relationship. Yeah. What do we do with the fact that it seems a little dramatic, right? Like, okay, yeah. like, I mean, I love my son, right? And I want to give mm-hmm. my son and my daughters the freedom to to love me and to choose love. But if they choose not to love me, I don't want that I don't want to condemn them to like eternity of suffering and pain, right? Mm-hmm. Like doesn't that seem a little dramatic? Like, okay, you either have the freedom of love and intimacy with the Father and yeah. con- like eternal consolation or eternal damnation and separation from the Father where there mm-hmm. will be welling and grinding of teeth. Yes. Like that seems like extreme. Well, I think there needs to be a little bit of a lens shift, right? That that hell, hell is not as much a place as it is an absence of something, right? So if we look at just evil in general, it's the privation of a good, yep. okay? So hell is the privation of presence, right? So it's it's actually not, it's not me casting you off to be away from me forever. It's you effectively not coming into me, right? So and that, that gets like overly theological, but heaven's not like a place as much as it's contained within God. It, it's the common, like, Benedict said this perfectly, right? That God is not some big being off in heaven, but the heavens are contained within God. And if the heavens are contained within God, then where's hell? It's absent him. Yeah. Yeah. That that's it's yeah. it's absent him. And so like I think what we have to look at is the loving father. I wouldn't be so sure that he's incredibly elated at a hellacious existence. It's not like something he's like, you know what? This would be really good. It's just that he's always beckoning us to himself. Yeah. And it at, at like at the critical juncture, right? Like whenever the Lord and the Lord knows in ways we don't, we make a decision that, you know what? Like yeah. it is not with you that I want to be. Yeah. Like a father could still have a heart for that person as they choose to That's absent good. themselves from them. Right. So I just think sometimes we're like, yeah, I just, I just think sometimes we see a push and a pull. Yeah. And it's actually all pull with yeah. resistance. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not, anyway, I yeah. just yeah. think that that, that's a, a good, lens. that's a good imagery. Then that, uh, you know, obviously the way you stated that was, was pretty radical. <laughs> I'm trying to be provocative. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's yeah, be yeah, honest. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think that the, the reason, the way that I understand this is that you have to, you have to find yourself in that place. Or else you end up in a spot of believing that I can have happiness apart from God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So it, it actually, it, the existence of hell is an affirmation of the character of God that that truly, apart from him, I can't find happiness. There's, you know, mm-hmm. there, there's no, like, baseline mm-hmm. comfort mm-hmm. that exists in me mm-hmm. that I'm inviting him into to make me better. Yeah. But, but to the degree that I'm happy or to the degree that I'm fulfilled or to the degree that I'm secure that it's only insofar as I'm in relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and not just happiness. Cause I think even the word That's happiness yeah. brings all kinds of earthly imagery, but yeah. <clears throat> good com- comfort, uh, goodness, light, uh, yeah. joy, consolation, can like we take, whatever. Can we take happiness back though? Because I think like <laughs> Aquinas, one of his primary questions was what will make me happy? Oh yeah. yeah. I, I only, I only speak in context no, of Thomas. No. 
That is true. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. We, we do have, have, we have, we have, have twice. The, I'm, the, I don't mean I'm not trying to go angelic doctor here no, with I'm, us. No, I'm not, I'm not dragging on you. I'm, okay, yeah. good. Yeah. Because I think all I'm trying to say is I think which, to your wait, point. Which nickname should we give Aaron? Because Aquinas, he had the angelic doctor, but he also had the dumb ox, right? Which um, one? I think uh, I, I will uh, plead the fifth. That's okay, okay, good. Okay. Uh, Let's come like, up with a good nickname. No, okay. I'm sorry. Go I'm, ahead. No, I'm just saying like. Like what is beatitudo? That I mean, that's a great question. Like, what is happiness? I'm simply just saying that I agree with you. If we see happiness in the worldly terms, sure. it's no longer what we actually yeah. want. But if we see it as like like fulfillment of some desire, then I would I would chalk that up to. I agree. Let's win happiness back again. Okay, good job. The Sermon on the Mount, happy are you, and, uh, and, and the Lord wants divine beatitude for us, which is awesome. And uh, so that I think that's just a, a good starting point. And actually, I think it's uh, it's a lot of people who kind of gear themselves towards saying hell isn't real or that nobody has a chance of going to hell. It, it, there's this element of... I think they do it out of a place of love and mercy often where mm-hmm. they, 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 they want people to experience love and they don't mm-hmm. want people to experience uh, eternal death. Yeah. And, and that's so a, like, a good orientation. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, <laughs> and so, but we, it can lead us astray. Right. Yes. And so one of the contexts I think would be really fun to talk to today about is why does hell matter? And I think it um, specifically, why does it matter uh in our proclamation of the faith, right? Mm-hmm. That we can't act like hell doesn't yeah. exist. Yeah, yeah. And and the context that I would have for that is the the church, if you will, has has wrestled with how do we present the existence of hell for quite some time. Like er, mm-hmm. in the early church, Origen um, had the the this doctrine of universalism that mm-hmm. um, because of the love of God, because of the love of the Father, mm-hmm. no loving Father would allow any of His children or His creations to go to hell. So hell mm-hmm. exists, but all people go to heaven, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. uh, and that at the Council of Constanti- Constantinople, uh, say that ten times yeah. fast. Council hey, of Constantinople. Constantinople. Um, it was declared a heresy, right? And so right. the church has actually said well, 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 universalism, well. <laughs> the the definitive statement that um, no one goes to hell right. is is a heresy, right? Which sounds like wow, that that's harsh, right? Yeah. But so, what do you think we should do about that? How do we have a conversation about like why does talking about the existence of hell matter? Well, I think it's an I think it's another I think I I obviously get into words, but I think it's another word we have to take back because I think the heart of that universalist principle is a heart of misoriented, misguided, wrongly oriented, whatever that word is. Like it comes from a place of misunderstanding compassion. Yeah. Because compassion is actually suffering with, right? Compassio, it's to suffer with. And and compassion that requires nothing of me is not true compassion. So it's... In, in our world, we see this all the time. Like my heart breaks for this. And so I'm going to make a post about it, or I'm going to tell other people what they should be doing about it <laughs> instead of going to do something about yeah, it. Right. Yeah. Like that is, yeah. a, that is actually not real compassion. And yeah. so I, I guess what I'm saying wait, wait, is you're saying social media posts are not, I know, I know. It, I they some they are up. not enough. No, it's good. They're permission. <laughs> they can be good. <laughs> okay. okay. So I want everybody to hear what I'm saying, not what I'm not like, like you should do that. Like you should evangelize through those media platforms. But if you are doing that and then calling that the compassion that you're having, you're actually not understanding what compassion actually is. Like when I have a compassion for a circumstance, I need to enter into it with someone and actually without, without like 
suffering or without hell, right? Like all of these things that we have, uh, I would say heresies that come off of without those things, I actually never understand that incarnational reality of Jesus, where I look into someone's situation, their awayness from God, their whatever, yeah. and go in and, and suffer with them there so that we can get out of that suffering together, right? Jesus's passion, Compasio, his passio, his suffering was yeah. not for suffering's end. It was that I could enter into the suffering and elevate you out of it, right? Yeah. So then we have to do that same thing. And again, I we'll get into that. But it if we misunderstand this and fall into a universalist principle, it takes away our heart for mission, and it makes mission just well. Let's all just be nice to one another. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would I would reaffirm that maybe in a different way. I think yeah. for me, the existence of hell. It calls me out of a place where evangelization is about a mission of generosity into a mission of justice, hmm. right? Hmm. That, that like the choice to be on mission isn't just a kindness that I exercise when I'm feeling full. It's the orientation of my heart and the orientation of my life. That's a good word. You know, hmm. one of my favorite, one of my favorite verses in, is in Mark's gospel, chapter 16, um, in verse 15, it's Mark's version of the Great Commission. Jesus says, go out into all the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. Mm -hmm. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Yay! Mm -hmm. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. Yeah, and that's right from Jesus's mouth. And it's like, okay, well, if those are my options, <laughs> and, and, and this is dependent on my commissioning mm -hmm. to go out into the world and preach the gospel to all of creation, like, this is too important to base this on my level of comfort. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, this isn't a, hey, when you're feeling full and, and you want someone else to be happy, yeah, yeah, go and share the message. Yeah, a mission can't be an accessory that I add on to my life. It, it becomes part of my existence because the stakes are so high. Mm -hmm. it's a, like, and I think that's where this idea of justice, Aaron, it's a great word to use because it's giving someone what they are due. So a person actually is due the gospel, the good news. Like they need, they, mm -hmm. they need to hear this message. Mm -hmm. That's why yeah. Paul can say, woe to me if I don't preach the good news. Yeah. It's Amen. like like, uh, con like condemnation upon me. Woe to me right. if right. I don't preach the good news that I am actually mm -hmm. held mm -hmm. before the judgment seat of God, whether mm -hmm. or not I brought the good news to a person, not because it's an accessory, but because it, it's the, the missionary mandate is, yeah. is a, a matter of divine justice. Yeah. Like, this person before me is due the good news of the gospel. Yeah, and they're also due the understanding of what our circumstance actually is. That Jesus' incarnation was heaven coming to earth. And what do we mean when we say that? It was the presence of God coming back into contact with humanity that we had cut ourselves off from. Yeah. Right? That like like at the fall there was there was a, a separation. There was just a separation and a chasm yeah. that we couldn't we couldn't achieve. So God crossed the chasm and came back and his presence was here. What what is heaven but his presence? Yeah. And so we need to share with people that there is a presence that yeah. takes them out of the hellacious circumstances we're in, right? Yeah. And this is why I think it, it we run ourselves in circles when we just always focus on the temporal things. It's like this is the new thing, this is the new law. Those matter and we should contend for justice there. Mm. But when that becomes the entirety of our lives without an eternal perspective that okay, you can keep doing that. Listen to me. Heaven's real, right? And like this Jesus who came to earth wants a relationship with you. Those are the things that bring us out and lift us up, right? So I am, uh, I, that just gets to my heart of mission. But um, just to bring that yeah. back, I think what I'm trying to say there is like, if Jesus coming to earth was the representation of heaven, right? It was the incarnation, the, the presence of God was with man again. We, when we live in sinful tendencies in the world, 
we have effectively chasmed ourselves again. Yep. And we should tell them the good news, the good news. That's that if we're over on this side of the chasm where you're unsatisfied and frustrated and hurt and wounded and whatever, there's someone who can cross it. So I think, uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I've never been declared a heretic in the church. I think, uh, or Me, just not, not that you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I bet not yet. I got time, right? But I think origin, probably his intentions were, were good, good, right? Of course. Yes. And there's, there is a, the postmodernism uh, of today, and I would even say postmodern Christianity today has good intentions, but yeah. they're actually leading people astray. That there is a postmodern thought prevailing in Christianity that, as quote, as long as I'm a good person, I'm going to go to heaven, right? Mm -hmm. And that is not in, that that is incongruent with the gospel narrative, right? That mm -hmm. that Jesus says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me." Right? That mm -hmm. that he he says, "Those who believe shall be saved; those who don't believe shall be condemned." So that why, seems really mean. Why dude. does it, I am such a mean <laughs> person, right? And Jesus, like, okay, let's let's uh, like Jesus was mean, right? Like that that this is what he says. It, it, I I wonder, like. Should we make sure, and I'm not suggesting that all of our preaching should be about hell, right? Because uh, I actually did a, a Google search. I, I, yeah. I, I sought the wisdom of the Oracle Google. Um, the Google machine. And, and I, I, I just was, I, I wanted to see, like, how often does Jesus speak of hell versus how often does Jesus speak of heaven? And praise the Lord, Jesus speaks of heaven more than he speaks of hell. Yep. So if I'm doing ministry that speaks of hell more than I speak of heaven, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not doing Jesus's style of ministry, right? Yeah. But Jesus spoke of hell. They, uh, um, at, at least over 70 times in the Gospels. Mm -hmm. And so, so there was definitely this, and it just some of the, like, and I just think if the Son of God, if the Son of God thought it was important to preach the existence of hell mm -hmm. and to tell people to be concerned about it, it's probably important that that we do it as well, right? Because He's God, and if, if, <laughs> yeah. if hell if hell yeah, wasn't right, a real right. threat, if everyone right, was right. basically going to heaven, if hell wasn't a real threat, Jesus wouldn't have. So if if His goal was only to talk about the goodness of heaven, or only to, like He's God, like He He has a divine mm -hmm. foresight that I don't have. He knows that I'm not able to condemn anyone to hell, and I I know I can't judge people in that way right yeah. like there but but he does he mm -hmm. actually does have that insight and so it should say a lot that the son of god who is the one making the final judgment mm -hmm. thought it important enough to preach on this topic well yeah right? well i i think what I, what's coming to mind in that is every pursuit of a virtue is an avoidance of a sin yeah right so like uh, of course like i would want to talk about mm -hmm. the virtue more than i talk about the sin but you need to understand what happens if you don't pursue the virtue exactly. or else there's no motivation to pursue the virtue when things are hard in the virtue, right? Yeah. Like I'm pursuing chastity. Well, it's starting to get hard and I'm being tempted. What, what keeps me from just saying, you know what, why pursue it anyway, is this understanding that the other side of the coin is absolutely not in alignment with where I want to be. That's a great example. Yeah. Cause right? they're like, we're going to preach the goodness of love and authentic Christian love. Right. But then we're also going to say, but if you, and if you fail to live this all, there's consequences. Yes, and like, I would agree. And those consequences, like statistically are not good. Yes. You end up in divorce. You end up like, uh, uh, like with, with different, like with children outside of marriage, yeah, with well, sexual transmitted diseases. Like yes. there's actual consequences to the, the lifestyle decisions we make. Yep, right. Exactly and if right. that pertains to the theology of the body, it definitely pertains yep. to the theology of the soul. Exactly. <laughs> and that's all I want to say is that the God made us, he made us human. Mm -hmm. And in our human existence, you mm -hmm. know, this, when you are trying to achieve a good, you are avoiding a bad. 
Yeah. You just are. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that the bad is the motivating force. The motivating force is the pursuit of the good. Yeah. But when it gets hard, me recognizing what happens if I just give up is helpful. Yeah. Because then I don't give up. Which then allows me to. Well, I, and this is why universalism is such a huge heresy, and and not only a huge, it's it's a scandal and a grave sin if I participate in it because I allow people not to know the consequence. And so if I per, per like prolong this false gospel narrative that everyone goes to heaven as long as they're basically good, and I give no like I I, I communicate no authentic threat of a consequence of sin and life outside of Jesus. I I am the one who through my preaching am allowing a person to to go down the wide path that leads to destruction without understanding the consequences that could come from that, you know? And like like shame on me if I'm a parent that allows my kid to enter into all kinds of acts of in chastity without giving them the warning signs of what happens if they do that, right? And so as as a good parent, I tell my child, don't stick your finger in the electrical socket because bad things could happen if you do that, right? Could. Likewise, yes. Probably we, we as a church need to say, don't do these things yeah. because bad consequences follow. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I, I go for it. What do you got? I mean, I think uh, as I'm kind of just hearing both of you preach and what's happening in me my heart is really being motivated by love, right? That, yeah. that, that, you know, as we preach this message, I need to remember, why do, why do I do this? Because I love my children, right? Right. right. Because, because I, I, I want to, I want to help them. Like, you know, Monica and I've had great experiences over the last couple of days of, mm-hmm. of seeing new things that are being, that are presenting themselves in, in our kids and, and pushing to fight against those. Uh, uh, just, just last night I had a beautiful encounter with my son Diggory and it's like man sometimes sometimes you have to you have to push in and communicate a hard message because i actually believe it's what's going to be best for yeah. you yeah and you love them because I, I care for you enough to like to risk that yeah man. i love that aaron cuz it's <clears throat> it, what is it's it's an act of love not to prolong this postmodern heresy if you will like that my heart is motivated or should the church's heart yeah. should be motivated to, to communicate the fullness of truth of the gospel so that people know, yeah. right? It's, it's in love does propel us to share hard truths. Yeah, this is inspiring me to think of a, a, a quote from St. Paul, right? Who says that when I was a child, I thought like a child and reasoned like a child. And I think sometimes we, we immediately attribute him to, to belittling himself in those moments. But I don't think he was. He was simply saying there's a different way of thinking about things when I'm young mm-hmm. versus when I'm mature. And I do actually think now that you guys are saying this, that there is something about letting someone young in the faith know the consequences of being without it. So, for example, mm-hmm. I love the outlet. That's what got me thinking about it. And then you were adding there, Aaron, like if, if a kid's about to put their finger in the outlet, I cannot communicate to them adequately how important their health is. But I can tell them, don't put your finger in that outlet because bad things will happen. Now, eventually, over time, I can communicate to them, the reason that you weren't putting your finger in that outlet yeah. is because we wanted you to be healthy, <laughs> and, and, and being healthy is good. But like, I, I do think that we lose this sometimes because in the name of drawing people to the church, we actually, I actually think we need to like reverse it. Like, yeah. I should talk about consequences earlier so that... Again, hear what I'm saying, not what I'm not, but I'm trying to put this in the context of Paul saying there was a time where I reasoned in one way, and now I reason in a different way. I think about this in identity. So again, I'll I'll pull it back, and I won't go too far into this, but like on identity, right? Like when someone comes in, like a missionary, and they're thinking, I am insufficient. Like 
the, the lie they identify is I am insufficient. Yep. We teach them to combat that lie with I am sufficient. The truth, though, is that you are insufficient, but it's okay. <laughs> so there yeah. is actually wisdom in initially telling someone in their identity stages that I think I'm, I think that I am inadequate. Yeah. Nope. You're adequate. Yeah. The truth is you're inadequate, but God's adequacy transcends that. Mm -hmm. But that's hard to teach right away. Yeah. Like I need you to get in this thing and then walk you to this. And thing. once they know their worth, that, then they can deal with exactly. the harder message. So again, just to pull that back into the hell thing, I think not immediately telling someone you should follow me or you're going to burn in hell. It's like, it's more like the, the consequences of a life without God are loneliness. Yep. Strife and turmoil with no, with no thing that transcends it. But there's again, yeah. not said exactly like that, but it's, Anyway, and that there are actual know, consequences know, getting, away uh, in a life away from God, and that you see yeah. those consequences in people's lives here, right? Mm -hmm. That, um, but those, if if I can see the consequences of loneliness and brokenness and and misery and people who have chosen to separate themselves from God here on Earth, um, I, I can I can imagine what that would be yeah, like. And if for we can eternity. see that on Earth, how is hell not real? Yeah, I mean that that is that is what it, exactly. that is hell. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, yeah. so let me, let me ask this. Um, why do you think there's a natural inclination to see communication of, of hell and consequence as unkind, as mean? I, I think it's, well, okay. Where does it, where does it, where does it stem things. from? I think it's been done poorly. Yeah. And so there's, there's connotations mm -hmm. of like, oh shoot, I don't want to be like that guy. Right. And so like, I'm not going to do it. Um, it, and I think that we live in a soft culture that's just not like that everyone's offended all the time, right? I remember, I don't know if you have this same vivid memory, Aaron, but like when we were young in ministry, uh, they, some of our mentors brought us into, like they were, they, I, I use the word mentor, they were, they were teachers as we were growing up in the mm -hmm. faith and they brought us in a room together and I thought they were going to bring us together. Like Aaron and I were doing ministry. It was really successful ministry. It was leading a lot of young people into a relationship with Jesus. It was growing. I thought they were going to be like, hey, you guys are doing awesome. How can we support you? And instead, they had this list of things that they had against our ministry. And um, one of the, the things that they were opposed to in our ministry was you guys talk about the existence of hell and it scares people. It's scaring children, and you shouldn't let children know that hell is real. And I, I don't know if you remember the me. That's when right. I lost it, right? I was listening. I remember you losing it. I lost it, right? <laughs> and, 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 and I don't, I don't remember like. And you wouldn't, wouldn't like, I don't know if it's pro the prophetic nature in me or if it is uh, a lack of virtue. Um, but like, yeah, a little like, both. Uh, a little Goodness. bit of both. Yeah, yeah. The the the. But like, I was like, absolutely not. Like, I would rather go to hell than not share the gospel with others and tell them like, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel and the the. God gospel that is part of the gospel and yes yeah, uh, that was the end of the conversation that was the end of the conversation <laughs> I, I i literally yeah no, we got, I, I got up and left there i wasn't uh, going to listen to them anymore. I, I get it. Well, because when you tell me when you tell the church not to preach hell you're you're literally asking them not to preach the gospel so what, you, what yeah. you can say is don't scare people well, so yeah, I think sure. this that's and so that was my reason for asking the question because I mean, we're soft a little bit. <laughs> well, and I no. don't know if I'm a scary person. I mean, if, if <laughs> you you definitely are a scary person, Dan. But <laughs> if, mean, like if if my parenting scares my children, yeah, for sure. then I'm not a good dad. Yeah. yeah, correct. So we need to learn as a church to communicate this message in a way that yes. doesn't immediately offend. 
So offense is is the response. You know, offense is the responsibility of the offended person. Correct. Correct. Um, we need to exist in a place where I'm not easily offended. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like I have a responsibility as a dad to make sure that I'm that I'm prioritizing relationship with my kids and not communicating discipline in a way that frightens them. Because you want them to receive the the word you're sharing. Of course. So yeah. right. And I would uh, so I there's would, a balance. I here. would suggest though that we were not actually scaring no, no, people. No, no, yeah. <laughs> that's what I was just gonna say. No, like Dan, the, Dan was not. No, yes. No. The represent, <laughs> Honestly, I don't even remember where this came. I don't from. even remember where it came from. Too. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? It's like, how are a bunch of teenage boys scared? No, like, I think. I know. I think what you're representing uh, matters. I, I do. I think that usually when you find something though, there's fault on both sides. So, um, I, like, I think that there is an inability to receive hard words in today's culture more than there has been before. I also think there is a poor ability to communicate the hard things of truth in an effective way now that there wasn't before because of animosity on both sides for the other. And so what I want to say here is I think that the church classic in her perfection has the solution, right? Like when I, when I talk, uh, like whenever I feel like the Lord in a message wants me to preach the reality of hell, I preach it from a standpoint of like what the church fathers would have talked about, which is on the other side of eternity, there is one fire and it's the mm-hmm. all consuming fire of God's love. And it, it, it pervades everything. It has to touch everything, but the disposition we have to the fire determines how we exist forever. So it, it's not God in throwing fire at me like a Greek God in, in destruction. It's he in and of himself is an all consuming fire again. Cause we have to use human imagination. Cause we don't t- to talk about God. It's like, what do you say? Like he's an all consuming fire. So on the other side of eternity, that fire with one kind of disposition purges me. Therefore purgatory, it perfects me because without those things being burnt off, I would be hiding my face from God for all eternity. Well, that doesn't make sense, right? Like look at every person who encounters an angel in scripture besides Mary. Ironically, what do they do? They hide their face from the angel because there's imperfection there. Mary, Mary beckons the angel. Like you can even see it in some depictions. It's beautiful. Why? Because Mary being sinless, like we we can see these things. All I'm saying here is on the other side of eternity, if we would preach that there's one fire, the all consuming love of God and the disposition of my heart to that fire is what determines how I experience it. If if I was in perfect relationship with it, it's consuming me in love forever. If I have some things that still need burn off, it's purging me for a while until I can be fully consumed by it. If I am outright objecting to it, it will burn yeah because like you think about this like it i would presume that a fire that has a log in it the log wouldn't really know it's being burned because it's consumed but if you get real close to a fire not enough for it to touch you but you just stay there it's gonna send you yeah it's gonna send you amen 100 it will and so again i think using that analogy that the church fathers use that our beautiful church is used forever it gives an understanding that god's not imposing this fire that you guys don't live in. No, no. He and of himself, his being, well, being itself, right? Like I even get confused when you go into the things of God, but all I'm saying is like, if we can give that heart, yeah, then it's invitational, not accusational. And how many times has the father ever spoke to you accusationally? He's an invitational God from the new covenant, it, from the point of Jesus forward, the accusational word of the father, it's not there. It's an invitational word of the father every time. Accusation of the father came when we were accused. Mm-hmm. Anyway, 
that oh, <laughs> semicolon. <laughs> uh, a, a, a beautiful, beautiful uh, explanation, Brad. I do think that the when we preach, we need to give a lot of thought and diligence mm-hmm. on how do we communicate the gospel, the fullness of the gospel, in a in a loving way that is invitational and not accusational. And I, uh, and uh, but I, I do think there's also value in in the renewal of the mind of looking at how did Jesus do it and. Because uh, I, I don't want to say because we're preaching in a different culture that we shouldn't also model Jesus. And yeah. and Jesus is pretty black and white at, at moments. Like I, I, the, he tells the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, and he he just basically says like Lazarus, uh, the poor man who begged for food, didn't receive food from the rich man. Because of that, the rich man went to hell. And and then he has the account the the rich man crying out like, please let like let me go back and tell my five other siblings because uh, they'll listen to me if I come back from the dead. And he's like, no, they had Moses and the prophets, and if, if they didn't listen to Moses and the prophets, they're not going to listen to you if you rise from the dead. We like the 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 people of God today they had Moses and the prophets. They've had Jesus Christ himself who has proclaimed a message. And and so often their lifestyle is in rejection to these biblical truths. And so it's like almost like uh, there there is this reality of like there like your sinfulness is is placing your eternal soul at, at risk. And, and and Jesus was pretty blunt about it. I, I even think just the yeah. Matthew 25, like where he separates the sheep and the goats. And, and he says, like, it's if you read Matthew 25, it's the the sheep. They didn't even know what they're doing. They're like, why are we on the like, why are we on the good side? Like, yeah. when did we see you naked? And when did we see you hungry and thirsty and give you a drink? It was, and he said, whatever you did for the least of my people, you did for me. Yep. They were almost just as ignorant of their charity of doing it for Christ as the, the goats. Um, yeah. Who said, well, when did we yeah. see you? And he's like, when, when you ignored the least of my people, you ignored me. And yep. Yep. it's what we do for others mm-hmm. and how we love others, dare, dare we say, how well encounter leads to mission yep. directly impacts the way my soul will be judged. And so if I've had an encounter with Jesus, that encounter with Jesus isn't enough, according to Matthew 25, mm-hmm. that that encounter mm-hmm. with Jesus has to overflow into mission Lest I, because I, I, if I don't give drink to the thirsty and feed the hungry, that is the grounds for salvation in Matthew 25 that yep. Jesus reveals. Yep. I'm That's thinking, so good. I'm, I'm thinking the, what, what's the response? Why, why is hell important? I think the reason hell is so important in the context of today's uh, culture, it, going back to what you s- shared early on, Aaron, is that, um, it strips us of our missionary mandate if if we don't truly believe in the yeah. the consequences of it hell. boils so, it down to a to a place of comfort or equipping yeah mm-hmm. yeah and I, I mean clearly like our desire is that no one would go to hell our prayer is that no one would go to hell but if that prayer becomes a, a belief a doctrine. Th- uh, yeah a doctrine then what happens is there's no reason for me to share the gospel with the Muslim that I, I work with, right? Mm-hmm. There's no urgency to share the gospel with the the atheist that has rejected God. There's no, there's no like, what motivates the North American martyrs to leave the safety and the comfort of France to come and to share the gospel with the native, like, mm-hmm. in, like the native tribes who were savages and, and suffer martyrdom. Mm-hmm. What motivates the, the us to take the gospel to the nation 
if hell isn't real, yeah. uh, you know, like uh, so the consequence is is the motivation by which the missionary mandate stems from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. really good. I, I I just keep looking back to. I wonder. Um, there's so many times in like daily Alexi, daily Alexio Divina that I I I try to put myself in the place of the story, and oftentimes when I'm when I'm reflecting. I will, I'll put myself in a place of like, let me look on the face of Jesus as he preaches this message or as he, mm-hmm. as he performs this miracle. And, um, as, as you were speaking, Dan, and, and just reflecting on scripture of, of the times that Jesus did speak with just incredible boldness, um, and didn't mince words. I mean, hypocrite, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. whitewashed, whitewashed graves, mm-hmm. um, you know, elsewhere, uh, and John the Baptist, the same, right. That, mm-hmm. you know, what what was in his eyes? What was on his face? Um, and and how can I model that? Yeah, yeah. I yeah, think it's a good I, word. I think the other piece too is, um, man, I I put a semicolon at the end of my statement earlier. I make it a period because everything you guys just said was great. I think my mind's moving to a different space off of what you're saying. On like, I think it it breaks my heart that I see a tendency in the church to create a theology that requires no responsibility from me. Like, it's like, um, I, I just, I'm going to create a reality of God that doesn't require me to step out of my insecurities because I'm wounded. And when I go outside of my insecurities, I don't feel comfortable and I don't feel strong and I don't feel stable. So I'm going to create a theology that requires me not to be on mission because if I had to be on mission, I'd have to step out of these things that are holding me back. And that's scary. And I think my heart just breaks that we're in a time where we're creating theologies that, that avoid responsibility. And I think that that, that is probably a reason that Uh. we have set hell aside because if we bring it back into the picture, you better believe we have a responsibility, and that's a hard responsibility to steward. Yeah. But man, if the church loses the the ground to talk about hell, the world is going to laugh every time we bring it up. But it's actually real, yeah. and that's not a good response. Like, I need to be able to bring it in a yeah. very like I don't even want to say educated, but a very like authentic and honest way. Because yeah. like, why does hell matter? I think that's what you asked, or why is it important? Because it's honest. Yeah. Because it's honest. Yeah. Like, like honest, <laughs> honesty has to matter. And it's urgent. Yeah. This is not like we've got a hundred, like every person dies. And like when we talk, when we talk about church decline in America, it's so funny because so often I feel like the talk about church decline is we want more people to come to church for our own self-validation, not because we're afraid that people are going to go to hell, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's this like like we 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 mm. we're, we feel validated when the pews are full, like oh wow, like we won them back, right? And now like I feel good about myself because I'm on, we I'm won on the them. winning side yeah, again. Like, yeah, like like we're not losing. <laughs> like no, like the urgency is that. It, the uh, church decline is is that's that's not the big problem. Like yeah. it, the the it's it's the souls are at eternal risk of damnation. And the like if we could explain this more to the people in the pews that you have a missionary mandate, less people will go to hell. Then maybe evangelization wouldn't be a program, but it would be truly yeah. this I- I- impulse of the spirit that compels me to love people better. Yeah. Let, me, let me toss out so. This is uh, this is a, just a prophetic reading of of the of Mark sixteen, but I think in addition, like when when we when we place that when we 
when we place our hope in that in that lack of responsibility, Brad, mm-hmm. it actually is a self fulfilling word, right? That that we actually set ourselves up to fail at the very thing that we want to succeed in. Mm-hmm. And and Mark sixteen fifteen mm-hmm. goes into this. You know, I shared earlier: go into all the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And in the following verses, 17, 18, 19, this is like one of the foundation points for the understanding of the charismatic gifts, mm-hmm. that these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they'll drive out demons. Like, mm-hmm. hey, you, you want to you wanna enter into a ministry of, um, of deliverance? What stands at the foundation? An understanding that salvation and con- condemnation are the result, Yep. right? You, you want to speak in new tongues? Okay, what stands at the foundation? An acceptance of the fact that, that, that salvation or condemnation are a fruit right? You'll pick up snakes with their hands. They'll drink deadly poison. It won't hurt them. They'll place their hands on the sick and they'll go well. That like our, our ability to actually be equipped for the work of mission, it, it sort of stands on this presupposition. Yeah. And, and, and when I deny that responsibility, I also deny the gifts that come with the ability to succeed in it. That's so good. Yeah. You, you know why? Because when I hunger for people to experience heaven, I'm willing to do and I'm willing earth. to do anything. I'm willing to do yeah. anything to put myself out on the line to say, God, I can't do this apart from you. But it's this, yeah, and that's what Jesus's ministry was. It was the, the kingdom of God is at hand. The yeah. heaven, like we have access to heaven, and so now I'm going to allow heaven to come down to earth. That's and awesome. When our heart is motivated that I want to save souls from the torment of hell and deliver them into the the kingdom of God, then the kingdom of God actually is at hand, yeah. at my hand, and is used mm-hmm. through me. It's within all reach signs of the kingdom because if i preach heaven is real Mm -hmm. then heaven will be manifested before me well i was i was just thinking to myself like who knows that hell is real any more than the heavenly beings (laughs) like their heart has to break at that like i i just i don't i like when you read those things aaron who doesn't want to do that if there are demons in the world who doesn't want to drive them out like if if there is like sickness that is de- mm. just decimating people yeah. who doesn't want to wipe that out like who doesn't want to take the poisons of the world and stand in spite of them yeah. like like <laughs> everyone that loves the lord wants that so the question has to be what holds us back from taking that place which i honestly think and we talk about this all the time but it comes down to that identity point which can only be given by the father that when i know my identity as a beloved son my heart breaks for hell more than my heart condemns people to it i i begin seeing hell because I'm from the vantage point of heaven. Heaven knows hell better than anyone else. And when I'm living in a heavenly reality and I look at the world and I see a hellacious corner, I'm like, we have to decimate that Yeah, because it can't exist. Because if it does exist here, like it's where they'll be forever. So let's, let's decimate it here. So it doesn't have to be an eternal reality. I think that the, the avoidance of conversation on hell, I think can sometimes be our own psychological avoidance of it for the sake of staying again in the comfort place where we're not responsible for something that seems so big. Yeah, that's so good. I, I wonder, and I'm not, I'm not speaking doctrine here. I'm, I'm asking questions. H- how do we know that we're not the rich man in the story of Lazarus when in effect as an American, uh, I live wealthier than any other person in the world. Right? So I am the rich man. I am. And, and what I do with what I have received, my time, my talent, my treasure, what I do has real consequences on my eternal salvation as well. And if if we have this, um, if Christianity is is making sure that I live a good, peaceful, comforting life here on earth, if peace 
in consolation is my end goal in this world, I think I've actually missed the mark. Like if I'm fat and well fed and I, I both materially and spiritually, and yet I don't give back my, like I am the rich man. So if, if listener, if me, if us, if, if spiritually we are fat and well fed, if the Lord has poured out grace upon us so that we have received knowledge of the truth and we have knowledge of the Eucharist and we have knowledge of the mercy of confession and we have knowledge of virtue and we have knowledge of the blessed Trinity and we have knowledge of heaven. If we have all of this spiritual richness And yet I allow Lazarus to go hungry at my doorstep and I don't feed him. Woe to me. So brothers and sisters, Lazarus is begging you for food spiritually. Are you feeding him? Mm -hmm. And if we are not, we are the rich man that Jesus speaks to. Mm -hmm. And our own eternal salvation is at risk, which is why Paul says, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. Yeah. Well, the question that you asked is... um, it's so multifaceted. I also think that we, like I'm going to try to do my best here. I think we always have to be careful not to speak absolutes where the church hasn't spoken absolutes, but charting in those waters. Yep. What I would say is, well, to your point on peace, if I'm getting perfect peace in the world, then why would Jesus have to impart it? Mm. Right? When Jesus comes and he imparts peace to the 12, he imparts it because there's an absence of it. Why? Because if we're actually fulfilling the call, there's going to be things that are unpeaceful about them. And we need Jesus to impart that peace so we can continue. So that's what I would say on the peace piece. But then on the other side, like the question fundamentally that you were asking, like, I do think that we have to ask serious questions in the church in the Western world of how are we living. Now, with that though, I do think that. The rich young man, there's a, a variety of ways in my time of praying with it that I've seen it go. Like, I wonder what if the rich young man, instead of walking away sad, started following Jesus without selling everything at first? Would Jesus tell him to turn around? Like, I, I think that the rich young man, he, he walked away sad because he had many possessions because he didn't want to sell them. But, but I wonder what would have happened if he goes, you know what, I won't go back and sell them yet, but I'm just going to start following you instead of walking away sad. Over time, he would have sold those possessions mm-hmm. because he would have seen Jesus' life and he would have said, like, I consider all this refuse or rubbish, you know, whatever you want to go to with Paul. So I guess what I'm saying there is, like, I think the, the principle, again, I don't want to speak absolutes where the church hasn't, but I think the principle is, I need to every day commit to the encounters with Jesus. Again, I know we talk about this on the show all the time. The encounters with Jesus that lead me into mission, because in being in mission, I'm going to realize that there are resources that I have for my own comfort that I don't need. And as I live that out in the Western world, I begin to be able to part with them more and more. Yeah. Now, again, I'm not I'm not saying that's the only way, but I'm, I'm saying in a Western world where, like you said, Dan, I'm living as one of the richest 1% of all human beings ever, Yeah. right? Like, that's awesome in what that can do. Now, it requires me to give a gift. What I would say, though, is the rich young man, yes, he could have sold everything and then followed Jesus. That would have been perfect, A-OK. Or he could have just not walked away sad, started following him. And I think over time, if we follow Jesus intimately and personally, all the other stuff mm. it, it begins to be easy to part with. Let's do both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do both. I love it. I, I, I think there's 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 joy um, in the gospel, and I think the if if God can do anything through this episode, I think it's let's just contemplate this more, right? Let's in our time of prayer yeah. ask the Lord, like Lord, what? Give me your heart for the lost, so there, because there are there are people who are lost in our own cities and in our nation. 
Um, it, 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 um, it troubles me greatly that Islam is growing as fast as it is, right? It is a, it is a uh, religion where Jesus is not Lord. And so the, the fastest growing religion in the world today is a religion where Jesus is not Lord. And, um, and no one comes to the father except through Jesus. And, um, and of course the church has, uh, theological teachings about how, um, just, you don't, and not, not, not everyone who is not, uh, baptized by water goes to hell, but there is an element where the gospel should be proclaimed and out of justice, the, the Muslim, the Muslim people deserve to hear the name of Jesus and the, the people in China who are living under uh, a, a communism that doesn't allow for the gospel to be fully communicated. They deserve to hear the name of Jesus. And the people in North Korea who um, aren't allowed to have Bibles in their possession, they deserve to hear the word of God. And so... Or the ones in your classroom or your family or your university or your your place of work. And I love that. But, But everyone has to go before God and say, are you asking me to be a, mm-hmm. a missionary to the nations? And the only reason we would stay here and not take the gospel to the nations because the gospel is that important mm-hmm. and that urgent in these places is yeah. is because God has said no. I want you here to build right? up the church. That's and good. so that's at good. Least you got to be on mission. Go go to the people in your classroom and to your in your workplace if that's where God's asked you. But if you haven't asked Him at some point in your life, am I called to go? And if you like, hmm. I think that's really good. Dan. In a yeah. different place, like maybe years ago, you weren't called to go. Maybe today God is saying, hey, you know what? Yeah. Your life is different at this yeah. point. You are called yeah. to go. Can I build up? I just want to build up your point there a little bit more because I think what you're quoting is from Vatican II, right? When the church made the statement that, like, we don't know if someone is non baptized and following their conscience what their eternal destination is. We can't speak that they'll absolutely be condemned to hell because of the mercy of God, but we don't know. What I what I get so fearful of sometimes is we misquote that to excuse ourselves from responsibility. Yep. We misquote it. We, we, we almost make it as if it's saying we have absolute certainty that if someone is simply following their conscience, that they are in the, in the same place that a Christian being faithful is. Well, first of all, that's not true in the temporal sense because heaven can be now, not just later. Yep. So that's the first part. The second part is that the church like accurately speaks that it can't know outside of the grace of the sacraments and the goodness of the mercy of God yeah. if it's guaranteed. Yeah. And like again, I don't know if guarantees the right word, but you can hear what I'm saying. I'm just building up your thing yeah. because let's not Amen. use that don't Vatican use as- two piece as an excuse not to do something. So whether the billboard is the most effective way to, <laughs> to announce the truth that hell is real, uh, hell is real, and there are real consequences and, as you've said, Brad, real responsibilities mm-hmm. that go along with that. And so as a Christian, um, I have to ask myself, am I teaching people the real consequences? And as a Christian, I have to ask myself, am I living the real responsibilities? Um, So why don't we close in prayer? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I just ask, Holy Spirit, you're the one who convicts hearts of sin and righteousness. And so I just pray, Holy Spirit, that right now you would come and convict our hearts of any justice we need to be convicted of, of any righteousness we need to be convicted of, of any responsibility we need to be convicted of. If you need to convict us of our own sin, Lord, I pray that you would come right now and convict us of our own sin. 
Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful so that we could be filled with that consuming love of heaven. Come, Holy Spirit, more. Got to pray for an outpouring in Christian communities of a love that's not afraid for con- of confrontation. Um, Jesus, teach us to be good, good fathers, good mothers, good brothers, good sisters, good sons, good daughters, who are willing to fight for the integrity of the hearts of those that we love. Mm-hmm. And and God, we pray especially uh, as as we spoke about in in Mark's gospel, Lord, that we would be receptive to the gifts that you want to give to transform our work of evangelization mm-hmm. for the sake of love. Mm-hmm. And Lord, help us to to not hesitate to be honest. Help us to not shy away from taking the fullness of what you've presented to us to heart and to live that out every day. God, help us to not fear misrepresenting you, but rather send your spirit that we could represent you as well as we can today Mm. and even better tomorrow and even better the next day all the way into eternity. God, help us to yield to you and to live out exactly what you're speaking of us, but not just a part of it, but the whole that you've Mm -hmm. presented to us. I guess since the the there's someone listening who is a you've you've felt a prompting to be a foreign missionary, um, but you 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 aren't a hundred percent sure if you're called to it. And I just see Peter in the boat and and um Jesus on the shoreline saying, Come to me, uh, and Peter taking that first step. And um I believe it was that step out of the boat that enabled Peter to step into his greater mission later to be the first pope and I think the the Lord is is not asking you to go all in right now but he's asking you to take just the next step um and so if that's you uh just what ask the father what is the next step you want me to take mm-hmm. what is the next step you want me to take and and to all of our listeners I just want to encourage you if you are uh, if your heart breaks for the nations, maybe take a simple step and do a foreign mission to share the gospel with others. Um, thank you, Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You're listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. If this show is edifying to you, um, tell people about hell. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, Like and share, subscribe, share this podcast with others. And uh, we hope you're filled with a missionary spirit to take the gospel to the nations. God bless you.